Hey there, Kenfo. This is Uncle Maduro. Look, if y'all been enjoying these little pie talks here I'll be giving, then won't y'all consider buying old Uncle Maduro a cigar? You can go right there to my little wave page there and donate. Donate to Uncle Maduro just for the price of one cigar. And man, let me tell you, I keep on doing these little talks here that I'll be giving. So now that I'm done harassing y'all like a cigar at the beach, let's get back to the talk. All right, now. Oh, man. Laying here. Another early morning, man. Woke up. Oh, you think it's... I don't even think it's 5 o'clock yet. Friday morning, though. Well, I got these old tendencies, man, to wake up like this. and Can't rightly go back to sleep. I just be laying here figuring in my head. So I say, man, why not? I just pop this recorder on. Maybe something come out of it. And well, woke me up out my sleep. You know, you gotta get up and take them old bathrooms. You gotta take them pee breaks. You know, your body, you know, your body kind of. So your body will trick you. You gotta watch your body, man. Your body and your mind will trick you. You know, like you tripping out a little boy. You know, sometimes when your body tell you, you know, down there you gotta go to the bathroom. You know, you, your big head say, no, just let lay in this bed for a few minutes here. And your little head down there say, look, man, I need to go and open my mouth and let this stuff out. And you be saying, your big head be saying, no, man, this bed feeling good. It's warm, man. You just hold on down there. You just hold on down there now. You know, your little head down there be saying, look, man, I can't keep my mouth closed for too much longer. I keep my mouth, trying to keep my mouth low too long. I'm just going to spit it out. You be here, baby, look, man. You be here, be like, look, man, you just hold on for a few. This be feeling good. I don't want to get up. And then your little head gets smart. Your little head start communicating with your bladder. Your little head be too, you know, your little head to dry tail to be here. Your little head to dry tail to be here. Look, man, I need to, I need to open up. You know, I talked to Mr. Bladder. Mr. Bladder said he about full. He about tired. He can't take no more if I don't open my mouth and let out, you know, he gonna back some things up. So since your little head ain't had no luck talking to your big head, cause your big head didn't talk to the body and the outside of the body to figure it's all warm and all cuddly and cozy. You know, it don't want it don't want to get up. You see, the big body has more influence, you know, on the big head. And the little head down there, yeah, it got to negotiate. It got to find some people to, to work with it. Because, see, evidently, Mr. Bladder... It's just a little small portion of that big body. You know, that big body that's laying warm in bed, they won't get up. So it got less influence on the big head. So the big head takes sides of the big body because it figures that, you know, it's more of it. You know, like they always say, it's better in more numbers, you know. Who got the most numbers? So the warm body, you know, the big body got the most numbers. You know, got arms, you got legs, you got back, you got chairs, and all that stuff be feeling warmer underneath these covers. You know, the little bladder and the little head ain't got much power.
But they say it's okay. But uh, I told her here, you need to open up, man. Let me get this stuff all out through you. You know, but your big head just won't listen. Your big head, they say hard-headed. Listen to the big body because we like to be comfortable. See, we don't like to be discomfortable. We like to be comfortable. I need these covers, man, early morning. Cool daddy in Florida, windows open. See, I bet y'all can't, bet y'all can't sleep with y'all windows open up there in Chicago and them projects and Detroit, some of them hoods and Minnesota, especially Minnesota, cold up there around about now. I think it is, I don't know. I don't keep up with snow and snow people. <laughs> I go with snow people. But the body, they convince the brain that they won't just lay here for a few. Don't worry about the bladder. Don't worry about the lay head. They gonna do what we say because we bigger than them. Okay? Alright, so the bladder and the little talks and the bladder gets a plan. The bladder say, look, man, we didn't we didn't went to the big head and gave him our proposal. Either you tell the body, either you get the body up, don't tell the body, either you get the body up and take it on in that, that hole and let the lid open his mouth to spit some of this stuff I've been collecting. And I can't collect it no more because I'm full. I ain't got nowhere to send this stuff. Only way I got to send this stuff is back off into your body, into the body, you know, the big body that you so comfortable with laying around like an old Tom Cat. Or you can let the lay head open up his mouth and let it spit out in that hole. But you have to get up out this warm bed to go in there and skeet it in that, in that hole in there. So the body, so the big head said, look, man, I didn't talk to the body, and the body just feels so good underneath these sheets, and it cool out there with the windows open, and plus we just dreaming about a whole lot, a whole lot, so we gonna need you and the little mouth down there just to keep yourself closed for a few more until we get a little bit more figure in here. A little bit more comfortable in here. So the bladder say, okay. All right. So the bladder goes back and talk to the mouth. He say, look, uh, we going to play a trick on this sucker. Okay. I'm going to send some false signals out. See, the body is so comfortable to see it don't have no confrontation. See, when you got no confrontation, you get comfortable. When you think you're the biggest, baddest thing on the block, you think you run things, so you get comfortable. You see? But internally, you because everything that, that you feel, you think inside your mind, is on the outside of you. So your body is comfortable. Yes, your body tells your mind the trouble is outside, not inside. So, your body convince your mind to lay around like an old tomcat and look for outside, external things that's going to bother you even when you sleep. You got senses going off. You still hear things. You still got senses. Your hair on your arm. You can feel them little roaches if they crawl on you. Like a little boy, you know, back in Michigan. You know, you still got senses. They can crawl on you. You know, you got little senses with things. Like the most spiders, you know, they come in the house, they pick on you at nighttime too. Because the most spiders be chasing them roaches around your bed, underneath your bed, underneath your sheets, and they sometimes hit you too. So that's what your body looking out for. But see, but when you, 
and you're comfortable and you don't have them outside the outside entities picking on your body you know when your house is all clean and fresh and you know you're living in a good neighborhood and you ain't got to be on guard even when you sleep you know you don't have to sleep with your motorcycle helmet on just in case somebody shoot through your house shoot you in the head <laughs> ain't funny but you know I ain't laughing cause it's funny it's just that I don't know why I chose motorcycle helmet. <laughs> Make up all my buddies ride motorcycles. I should have seen a G.I. Joe helmet. <laughs> but you get my point. Your outside body, you're comfortable. You don't have any of those, you know, external forces. So you just lay in the bed like me, all comfortable. Oh, man, I'm just comfortable, man. Man, here my windows open, my house clean, my body clean. Oh man, and I'm sitting up here laying up here, and my and my bladder all the time. Tell them my big brain. Man, you need to go get up, go to the bathroom. But no, man, give me a few. So your bladder say, okay, then what we gonna do? Tell a little here, we're gonna play a trick on this sucker here. I'ma send some false signals in the inside. Cause see, I've been blowing up inside the body. But the body still won't lay that like an old time cat. And I've been sending these signals to his bladder, to his stomach, telling him that look, tell the big head that get up and take you to the bathroom but the body just ain't convincing the big head to take us to the bathroom and let you open up your mouth and spit all this stuff I've been backing up inside the body so there's a trick we gonna play alright I'm gonna play a trick on the on 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 since I can't get the body to talk to the big head I'm going to bypass the body and play a trick on the big head. But see, because the big head is in one of them dream stages where it's dreaming about a whole lot of stuff, right? So we're going to take advantage of the big head dreaming and reminiscing in his sleep about some things. So we're going to bypass the body. Because the body only want to deal with what it feels. Right, and since the body right now is so comfortable and ain't feeling anything because it's so comfortable, it's letting the brain just travel, just do what it want to do. So we're gonna bypass the the body and we're gonna send some signals up to the brain. Cause see, do cause see, we do have a representative inside the brain, but see, our representative inside the brain. You know, we don't have enough, you know, representative inside the brain to convince the brain to do anything unless something happened. Kind of like states, you know, you take state like Delaware, ain't big as New York. So ain't nobody going to listen to no representative Delaware too fast because they little small fry. They going to listen to somebody in New York because they got more folks and more delegation and so far they call that stuff. So that's how the blood is. The blood ain't got many representatives inside that inside the brain. And they ain't got more than the body. So okay. So the body, the bladder, I'm sorry, the bladder don't have as many representatives inside the brain as the body do. Like I say, like the bladder is Delaware and the body is New York. But the bladder say okay. That we're gonna do. We're gonna tell our representative in the brain, the big head per se, that we got a national emergency. We gonna we'll trick it though. We're not gonna say a national emergency because we've been calling out all this time. We've been telling the body that you know what's gonna happen if it don't let the little head open up his mouth and spit this stuff out in that hole. That means it got to get up and go to that hole. We've been beating drum. 
We've been putting up the George Bush color, the color coordination. Like on 9-11, you know, they had them color codes. Today is a cold green. Tomorrow is a cold red. And we've been putting up a cold red. We got to the point where it's cold red and they still ain't listening to us. So the bladder tells his representative inside the big head that, look, we're going to trick this sucker. We're going to tell I just gotta stop for a minute. The blast say, "Look, talking to this representative inside. This one representative inside the big head. Tell this sucker he had a football game. Take him back to that football game. We was at the Pontiac Silverdome, and we walked into the Pontiac Silverdome bathroom for the first time." And it was miraculous to us. We saw all these watering holes we could stand up to. You know, remember that game we lived in Harrington Hills right across from Pine Silverstone, Silver Dome? And we snuck in. And it was the first time us seeing anything like that. That new stadium, Pine Silverstone, they had just put up. Tell him, remember that. Tell him, remember when we walked in that bathroom and we saw all them white folks. Staying up at the water hole, and we said to ourselves, Golly, I didn't know white folks pee like we do. <laughs> I was a Louisiana boy. I ain't never been around a whole bunch of no white folks like that. All our white folks in the country spread out. We was on our side of town pretty much all the time, so we ain't never seen, I ain't never seen nothing like that. And I looked at all the white folks against that water hole, they would stand up taking a picture like we do. But see, I ain't seen, no, I never seen no little phone. No, no, uh, we had toilet stools. I ain't never seen, or we had a tree. I ain't never seen them porcelain things that go all the way to the floor. That you stand over and put your left hand on your hip and your right hand on your dang line, you know, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you pee. So my bladder is telling, the bladder is telling, the little, the big head, all this stuff. And it's tricking the big head. It's just tricking the big head. Because see, the big head is listening to the body. And won't open that one. And won't listen to the bladder. And tell the little head to open up his mouth to keep this stuff out. So, the bladder represented, you know, the rare meaning that it has with the with, with the big head. Tells the big head why the big head is in his dream state. Hey, man. Since you remember a whole lot of things, can you remember this thing right here? And the big little head said, yeah, I remember that, man. And so what happens is the big head start reminiscing about being over that white porcelain toilet stool that goes all the way to the floor that all the white folks were standing around. And it got a chance to get up to that 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 uh that porcelain toilet stool that go over to the floor in the Pontiac Silver Dome bathroom, and it it put his hand as a little boy. It put the body put his uh, hand on the hip and started pinion, and that's all that was needed. Once the brain thought that it was pinion, and one of them porcelain all the way go down to the floor. Told the stools in the Pine Silver Dome, the lid opened up. The lid opened up and started spitting out endless stuff in bed all over the sheets. It just peed, just started peeing right there. And the big head was just enjoying it like it was back in the Pine Silver Dome. Let it be in pee, 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 big mouth. Let it just skeet water all over the bed. And then the big head catches itself and says, Oh, shoot. I've been tricked. The lid head that opened up and just spitting all that stuff all over the sheets. Still. I hadn't told the body to get up to go to the bathroom and the ladder then got what it represented and it tricked me into opening up 
the little head and mouth and skeet and, 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 and the big head tells the body, say, body, jump up, body, jump up. You're laying in the flood zone <laughs> like you're back down there in Katrina. Body, jump up, body, go to the bathroom, close up, close up, close up, little head. This is what the brain is saying. You see, the brain got tricked by the little bladder inside with that one represented. Shut up, shut, close, close. That what the big head is saying to the bladder. Stop bladder, stop bladder. Lay head, lay head, close your mouth, close your mouth. This is what the, the big head is screaming to those little two little insignificant parts that wouldn't listen, that they wouldn't listen to because it was listening so much to the body and it was so comfortable. <laughs> it was so comfortable. It got tricked thinking that everything is so beautiful and stop watching out for the little things, for the little influences in life that can turn out to be so big and crucial. And the body... The body would just lay there in that flood zone with all that water all over the sheets. Because it ain't got sense enough. The body. Now the body's discomfort. All that wetness. You see? The brain big head get tricked. And when the body feels uncomfortable, big as it is, then it want to react. But all the time, the only thing it had to do was listen to the bladder and open up the little head mouth. You see? But first, the big head needs to tell the, the overrule the big body and say, look, we are going to get on up and go in here to this watering hole and we're going to let the body, going to let the bladder you know, we're going to let the bladder through the little mouth. We're going to open up the little mouth and let the bladder do its thing. And then we can come back and get in this bed and let your body get all warm and cozy. And roach and roach and uh, roach mice and spider free underneath them sheets. And then I can go back to just traveling the world without you. You see, an old man once told me, he said, your mind and your body don't always travel together. You know, that's kind of, kind of odd. Said, but I was talking to my mechanic yesterday morning because I bought my little car, bought me another little, you know, a little, I ain't really need no car. Plus, it really didn't cost me anything, actually, if you think about it. You know, to get the car, pretty much didn't cost me anything, literally. You know, just the way that you work things in life, you ain't always got to get your cash up. But I can't get all my secrets away, but I ain't paid nothing for that. <laughs> I just use my credit. And the way that I look at it is that it ain't my car, it's their car. And that's all you do in life, you just rent. You see, here's the thing about that I was taught a little about money. Just got a little insight here. You see, always pay your bills and try to keep your credit good. Kind of fumbled a little bit when I got married. My last divorce, but everything getting back on target. You see, no matter what color you is these days, if your credit is good, folks don't mind giving you things. Because see, back in the day, you used to have the face-to-face -face interviews when you wanted to buy something. You got to go sit in front of folks. You see, and folks size you up by your color, your size, your clothes, all that stuff when you walk through the door. So it make no matter what you got on the application, the pay person who interviewing you for whatever that loan is, they not already size you up. And it all depends on what kind of day they having and what you say to them, not so much what you got on that paper. But see, today is much easier now. Because people don't look at you no more through this community. They judge you by what's on paper. So that's why it's always important to keep your credit good. You see? 
So I got a little, little hankry when, you know, I'm getting a little old now. You know, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, I can leave stuff to my nephew, but shh, living in this 55 old community, I'm seeing your kids and your grandkids don't give a darn about you or what you accumulate or what you plan to leave to them. See, a long time ago, you know, like today, you still got kids just living off that generational wealth. But the kids are blowing through that money much faster than their parents did or their parents before them. You see, they blowing through that little money. <laughs> so I say, you know, I don't have no kids with my nephew like my son. But I say, you know what, I ain't leaving here. I'll shoot. Out here in this community where I live, you know, as soon as somebody die, one of your old folks die, the kids riding or grandkids ride in the town, take everything in the house, take it over to the dump over there, or give it away or have a fire sale. Or give it to an antique company to auction it off if it's a little value to it so we can get the cash. Sell the house and get the hell out of town. And take what's in the bank and go live up. Live a better life off the money than the, than the person who worked their whole life to save the money. So I say, you know, I always love me a little convertible. So I, I went down there, I found something that I like. You know, I ain't want nothing brand new. I like something used. I know when you buy something used, you're going to have to put a little money in to fix it up because it's used for a reason. <laughs> I don't mind that as long as it ain't nothing, you know, too difficult to or too expensive. So I found me a nice little convertible. And, uh, you know, I found it and I just went down there and asked them people. I said, hey, look, I like that little car here. Can y'all, uh, can I get it? And they say, yeah, you can get it for this. <laughs> so I say, okay, I get it. I ain't got to put too much money down, huh? Really ain't to put all that nothing down because the little money I put down. Thank you, ain't Nancy Pelosi gave it to me. So that ain't cost me nothing. That was like free money. So the thing I just did was took unexpected money that our Nancy gave it and gave it to the people. Shoot, I ain't that my <laughs> Wasn't in my account anyway. I ain't, you know. Just gave Nancy Pelosi money. You know, little fourteen hundred dollar, whatever it was. You know, and they gave me they didn't give me nothing but maybe they rented me a car. <laughs> they rented me a car off my credit. They that's amazing. You think about this. Old man told me this one time too. He said, Boy, you don't own nothing. <laughs> that my house. If you paying notes on that house, that ain't your house. That's the bank house. They just let you rent that house every month. You call it a mortgage, but you written. When you got a car note, that ain't your car. <laughs> you written that car from that car loaner. See, this is the way I look at things. So I say, well, you know what? I want me to look convertible. I ain't getting up for none of my money that I saved, that I work to save for. But since Aunt Nancy gave me $1,400, I gave Miss Nancy money. To rent one of their cars every month. So I, I'm renting their car for them every month. Now you call it a car loan or a car payment. I say it's rent. It's rent. <laughs> Just like I rent my house. It's rent. I'm renting that, that little pretty car. Now yeah, I put a little money. I got to put a little money in them. To them a mechanic. And uh, he said he looked it over. And see, that's why when you go to mechanic, you don't tell your mechanic everything. You want your mechanic, if he's checking it out for you, you want you don't want to give him no background on that car. You want him to check it out for you and tell you what he see. So I took him to the mechanic, and he said that I had a front strut that was leaking. Okay, I knew that because I could feel that on the right side when I drive just a little bit. You know, on top of my... my uh, my, my engine cover, you know, you had like a little dark spot. I asked him about that. He said, that ain't nothing. He said, that's, he said, your, your uh, turbo, I got a turbo on this right here in the front. And he said, you get a little heat from it. He said, that's nothing. And then he popped it off. He said, this ain't no little plastic cover. I said, what? I thought it was something that was hard to fix on there. It was a little plastic, little cheek cover popped right off. And he said, uh, 
He said, you uh, say you need some spark plugs? Okay, you know, with the mileage on that, that's okay. He said, he said, you uh, need a valve gasket. I was like, a valve gasket? He said, yeah. He said, let me show you here. He said, there's a bolt on the right and there's a bolt on the left. And underneath that bolt, you can see like oil stains, okay? Or, or brown, brown stains. Now, I saw that when I bought the car, but I can remember that when I checked the Carfax. The Carfax said that it had minor, minor rear end, minor rear engine. I mean, they said the Carfax said it had minor, yeah, it was an accident. Minor damage from an accident. Airbags didn't deploy. And it also said it had a valve cover. The valve cover was changed. Now, I know when I when I looked at the car, I looked at the valve cover, that area, and I saw those two brown marks on the end. Okay? But I knew from Carfax that they had said that the valve cover had been changed. Then I wrote a car, I said, okay, I ain't got a problem with that. But my mechanic pointed it out to me. Okay? I said, okay. And he said, I looked at the, the, the brakes. He said, I looked at the brakes, and the one, the brake, I believe it was the brake in the back, and the rotor, he said, it's okay now, but you're probably going to need to change this sometime. Now, I knew that, because one of my cigar buddies, Mustang, right, a couple of days before, Mustang pointed that out to me when I went over to his house. He checked it out and showed me some things, right? He, he looked at the back bumper. And Mustang noticed that the back bumper had been repainted because it didn't have it didn't have the um, the metal flakes in the paint on the real bumper. Well, see, I knew that because the Carfax said that that it had that minor best repair. But underneath of you look underneath underneath of but Mustang said, you know, if you did, did a good job, if you get underneath the car, you look under, and that and that cushion, that pad, that little false bumper I call it a phone bumper he said if that's not repaired then they did a bad job I got the car and everything's beautiful underneath that so it must have been a minor damage but they just painted the whole they just painted the whole bumper because that metal Mustang said that metal flake is expensive so that's why they probably didn't put it in so when they had that managed that smart that minor damage or whatever it was to that bump in the back they had to paint the whole thing and they just left the metal paint off but like I said underneath of it everything checked off there's nothing bent or dead so I knew that so my mechanic he saw that too so I know my mechanic wasn't lying to me because Mustang had already pointed that out see people, when people say confirmation bias to me it doesn't mean to, a lot of, confirmation bias can mean a lot of times the folks other folks outside of me is when somebody agree with something you've been thinking about, or anything like me, they agree with me. But see, I don't want that. I want somebody who think different from me because I'm not right. Ain't none of times I'm right. I want to be the dumbest person in my house. I want the dumbest person in my group because I'm not gonna learn anything if I'm the smartest. If I just want to search out people in life that agree with me, I'm not gonna grow. I'm not gonna get better. I like information. Now, when people, when I when I look, when I examine things, and people see things, data, information, and it conform, it conforms with somebody else who has expertise who don't even know each other. I can believe that. See, Mustang point out some things, right? And my mechanic yesterday, he saw the the same thing as far as the body and the brakes see now if my mechanic and Mustang showed me on the brakes he showed me some stuff in the brakes now if my mechanic wouldn't have showed me those things on the brakes and said everything was fine then now I know that I can't trust my mechanic I know he a liar I know he ain't really look at my car you see what I'm saying but Mustang showed me and then my mechanic showed me the same thing and my mechanic and Mustang don't know each other you see what I'm saying this is how you did this is how you get this is how you get good information see like it's on my job I have to find out I don't want to know what you think I don't know want to know what you feel I want to know what the data says and the data could be wrong depends on who put the data in so that's why you have to check the data also 
That's why if you do Microsoft Excel, it's something that's called formulas. See, I don't have to be the smartest. I just have to know how to work the formulas. And like I tell my buddy, they ask me why, why I'm so good at Excel. Did nobody teach me Excel but YouTube? <laughs> I ain't smart. I just went on YouTube and learned it. I took time out of my day. But, okay, my mechanic showed me that. And that's classical force and Mustang. The valve gasket, the, the valve gasket that he recommended check. See, he don't know the valve gasket's been changed. Only thing he know is he see those brown spots on the end that looks like those bolts was taken apart. Right? That's all he can see. So he assumed that there's a leak there, but whoever changed it didn't clean it. You see? Because I can see other places I can see new seal. Right? And plus, the Carfax report said that. So, but I ain't tell him nothing about the Carfax, nothing. I just said, oh, okay. You know, you know, we will, we, because we'll, I want to get all that fixed. I said, we get all that fixed. I said, just, you know, we'll mark it down. Okay. The strut, I couldn't see the strut, but I can kind of feel something over there. I kind of feel it. See, my senses, I can kind of feel it, but I'm not knowing it's a strut. And it's here, I could feel the reason why I feel it because my other car, because he had to do my front struts on my other car. So I kind of had a feeling, but I didn't know what it was in the, in the front. But that's what it was. And he, he called it. He, he called that. Because see, when I drive a little bit, you know, it's not bad, but just a little bit of a drift. If I hold the off the steering wheel for any length of time, it'll drift a little to the left slowly. It's that strut over there. So once I get that strut repaired, then I get the front end line done on So I was like, okay, not bad. Then I had him do a diagnostic check on it. Put that computer on there. Right, and uh, I was out there. I said, "Well, how's everything?" You know, he had this little thing in his hand that he plugged into, you know, the diagnostic, you know, on your old B, your old D two, you know, your old B two thing. Your computer reads your computer. And uh, I went out there, and I said, "You know," he said, "Well, I'm, he's having to open the hood yet." Now he looked at all the stuff on the outside first. Then he opened the hood. And I was, and I, and he had the little thing in his hand, and I, and he said, and I asked him about the, you know, the engine, because I want to know how the brain is, you know, I want to know if the brain, if the brain is good, and I want to know inside the body, everything good. And he said, I got a ten thousand dollar machine over there. He said that ten thousand machine right there is gonna tell me everything, what's going on with this thing in the inside. You see. If something is going on inside, he said, now a lot of times the electric stuff, things can be fine right now, but then things can go bad, uh, you know, after I do my check, but he said, I'm going to check it out with that $10,000 machine over there. And he had one in his hand, a little small portable one that he hooks up to the inside. He said, that thing like 2000 or $2,000, I don't know, don't make no matter. You know, he, he put money into his equipment and he's an old guy. He got an old garage. Ain't no pretty garage. It's an old garage. Man, his garage is probably, I would say his garage, he probably been there. He old school. He probably been there, man, probably since the 70s or 80s. Probably 80s. He's old. He been there. He got this white guy that's really good at tearing engines apart. I just seen this guy customize stuff. I've, luckily, I found it for my job. Another white guy on my job, you know, he uh, he referred to me. And he's an old school mechanic, black guy. And uh, so he said, everything good. He said, as far as the engine-wise, he said, everything good with the engine. He said, I didn't see no faults or anything like that. He said, everything good. You know, I was like, wow. So I said, well, give me a price on everything that you've seen, including the valve gasket, all that kind of stuff. So, gave me a little price, and I was figuring it's going to be a whole lot much more. But it ain't. See, I know I don't need the valve gases, so I had him give me a price with and without, with and without the valve gas. Because he said it's nothing. He said the valve gas, it was nothing serious. You know, he said it was nothing serious right now. So, I said, well, give me a price with and without <clears throat> The bath gasket and gave me a price, and I was thinking it's gonna be a whole lot more, but it ain't, man. That ain't nothing, man. <laughs> that ain't nothing, man. Cause see, there's gonna be wear and tear on, on the car. As you drive, there's gonna be wear and tear, and I 
know that. That's why I like buying used car like my daddy take. Always had good luck with used cars. There's going to be some things you're going to replace. You want to chip the batteries anyway. Struts going to go out. You want to replace them. As long as you're not talking about no major engine work. And then <clears throat> these little new cars, man, I was, they got all these sensors on it. And, man, that damn car talked to me, man. I'm used to my old car. With my car, old car, it just be quiet. It just be quiet and run. <laughs> it don't talk to me, man. All these little thing, things go off. Little, little lights and sensors and parking sensors and real parking sensors and all that old crap, man. That's just too much, man. Press a button and doggone roof go down, roof go up. Just so much, man. Like you gotta, you driving, you get. You think you gotta think with the car, you gotta look at the road, you gotta think, you gotta look at the warning signs, stop the red lights on the street, and you gotta look at the warning signs and, you, and your green lights inside your car on your dash, man, it's just, just overwhelmed with information, you know, but that's why I drove my, I be like, I still like driving my old car, cause it don't talk to me, and, you know, it just do its thing, and I just do my thing, and I ain't got to think about it, but this little new car, man, I just, there's so many bells and whistles, and so much things you got to think about, and so much stuff talk to you, and, you know, and warn you, hey, you're getting too close to that car front, or that close to, like, getting too close to you in the back, or, or shoot, your gauge temperature is this, and your battery temperature, all that old crap, man. But I, like I say, I did it because I want to just give me something nice, and plus it don't cost me nothing. Thanks to Aunt Nancy Pelosi and them Democrats. <laughs> you know, they gave me a little money that didn't come out of my pocket to put down on it. And then I pay them people, you know, every month, you know, to use their car. Just like you do if you got a car. No, they ain't your car, that they car. And then even when you pay a car off, you know it ain't your car, right? You know, you get a certificate of title. You never get a real title to a car. The real title to your car is owned by the state. The state that it's in. And when you leave your state to go to another state and take that car and transfer that title, then you got to pay for that because that state got to pay the other state to transfer that title to them now. They own your vehicle. <laughs> you don't own your vehicle. Even when you pay it off like your house, you don't own your house. It paid off, but don't pay them taxes. <laughs> don't pay them taxes. You see, I think we got a misconstrued to what free means. Free ain't free. Own, own is just a misconception. It also, you know, I own my house. <laughs> you, you own your house, but don't pay them taxes. Don't pay them taxes. I bet you can't pick your house up and move it somewhere else. <laughs> Don't pay your taxes and see see what your house after three years. Tell about you own your house. Yeah, you alright because it paid off. Okay. You keep thinking that. See what own to me means is like, you know, my my little shoes in there. See, I own my shoes. See <laughs> if, if I don't I don't have to pay nothing a month to keep them shoes in my closet in there. You see, I ain't got to pay nothing. I own them, my little shoes. You know, my little underwear in there. I own my little underwear in there. See, don't nobody want them anyway. I ain't got to pay nobody a month for them. But own is a misconception. I call it a misconception in your brain. You don't own nothing. You don't own nothing. You got to pay to keep. See, that's very important what I just said. You don't own nothing that you have to pay to keep. See, if I own something, you see, I get an example, like my used car, my old car, you know, I can say it, I own it, right? And I do. Now that I own, the only thing I got to pay for, I got to pay people for a tag every year. I got to pay insurance. Now, if I didn't want to pay for a tag every year to the state, and if I didn't want to pay insurance, then technically, I can't drive that car on day road. See, day road is not my road. It's not a public road. It's day road. 
Because if I drive that car that I own without paying them all this little extra monies, and they police pull me over, or if I hit somebody in that car that with no insurance and no tag, then I'm going to be going to jail up there with a bunch of fellas that's three times, four times bigger than me and want some fresh tail. So I own that car and it can sit there and rust and rust and rust in my yard and I own it. But if I want to use that car, I got to pay them folks. You see, now that's owning. I own that car. But I have to pay to use it. <laughs> well, they, they got this game all set up nice. Like I say, your house. You pay it off all you want. Think you own it. Don't pay them taxes in three years. You see who own it. <laughs> now you got to pay to use that house every month. Light bill. You know, heat, all that kind of stuff. But you don't own nothing that you got to pay for. But see, we teach our kids this stuff. I want to use the word false dichotomy we use that you know we you know we think that it's real but it ain't and we use words to signify that something's real but it ain't <laughs> ain't that so ain't that so oh that's a heck of a word there heck of a word but hey if you want to believe it hey if it make you feel good think that you own something that you got to pay for then hey go right ahead so that's how I look at it. that little car I bought it ain't cost me nothing all they don't cost me a little bit of money that I'm putting in the you know to maintain it which you know I knew that so it ain't no big deal and I really enjoyed it really really enjoyed it you know and you know things gonna happen cause I'm just sitting out and it's a huge car things gonna happen but you know, you got to accept what you wish to be able to. So far, I'm 100% satisfied and ain't no money has came out. Now, here's another thing here. I wanted to get the little car checked out. So I called the dealer. I was going to take it to the Buick dealer. You know, they had them do a diagnostic check and a safety check on it for me, right? And they want to charge me. It be about two weeks before they can get it in. And they want to charge me $200 just to put it on the machine, right? So mama came today. So something told me, you know what? This ain't no new car because this is 2016. This ain't no new car with a warranty on it. Why are you taking this car to the dealer? You know they ain't nothing but a bunch of crooks. Why are you taking your car to the dealer? Take the car to your mechanic, same person who you've been trusting with your car, with your old car. And my old car, I still can ride drive that thing to Canada right now if I had to. My mechanic keep that car in shape. And, you know, I always say my, my my old car, I call my work car, it's like an ugly woman. <laughs> See, ugly woman, she, boy, she, ain't, she, she ain't too keen to look at. But boy, she sure take care of you. <laughs> That's an ugly woman. Boy, she may not be too clean to look at. But boy, that ugly woman sure take care of you in bed when ain't nobody around. She feeds you good. She take care of your house. She take care of your body. All that stuff real good. But boy, just take it out in the public, boy. On your arm. Man, I tell you. She ain't gonna have, she ain't gonna have a whole lot of guys chasing up behind her. That's a good thing. But that's how my old work car is. It ain't, shade. It ain't, it ain't too cute to look at like it's a, a Billy. But I can do everything a Billy can do. As far as mobility-wise. Mechanically, it's probably in better shape than a Billy. So, my mama, my mama mechanic, now he did all this stuff. Diagnostic, safety check. The safety check aligns with some of the things Mustang was told me. You know, the engine allows some of the things that I seen and what was on the Carfax. And he charged me $40 to do a diagnostic, to do a diagnostic and to do a safety check. He charged me $40 to put all that stuff to me. And he did it in less than 
30 minutes. I had brought my laptop all up there. I was going to be prepared to sit up there for a while. You know, psh, got me in and got me right out. $40. The dealer was going to charge me 200 And it would have been interesting to see if I had $200 that I just wanted just to screw off. I would keep that appointment with the dealer and take it into them just to see what they say. But I ain't got no time. I want to waste two hundred dollars. I'd rather spend that two hundred dollars and give me some cigars or something. But it would have been interesting to see what the dealer told me. <laughs> Forty dollars, right? So I'm on. You know, next Tuesday I'm gonna take drop some money off. I have my mechanic let him buy the parts. Schedule your appointment and go ahead and take my, I call my new car a little black. <laughs> my old work car, I call it Earl. That's Earl. That's Earl. But my little new car, this is all black. <laughs> I call it little black. I'm going to take little black up there and let my mechanic get it ready. You see, that's something, man. <laughs> but look, I know how to have y'all up. Hell y'all up. Get up out this bed now. Get up out this bed. I tell you. Oh man, I tell you. You know, I think sometimes like this when I was laying up here. I think about when I was a little boy up in Michigan. For some reason I thought about that this buddy named Eric Ott. Man, Eric was well, he wasn't my buddy at the time, just a cat I knew. You know, back in junior high, Eric was always mad about everything. Eric had two older brothers, though. See, the youngest brothers always sometimes the toughest because the two older brothers put pressure on them. But I didn't know that Eric, I didn't know Eric's older brother at the time. His name was Ernie Ott. For some reason, I was thinking about early this morning. You know, I had a little situation. When I when I was in Michigan, I, I was always a little loner because I was from Louisiana, and I think a lot of things benefited me back then. Benefits me greatly today. You know, I had a knack for getting into stuff, but getting out of stuff. And when I get out of it, never going back into it, you know, except for marriage. <laughs> but I'm done with that. Okay. I was thinking about Ernie. You know, I asked, you know, boy, some boys should always pick on me. I remember Ernie, I, and I didn't know that was Eric's brother. You know, backing, backing a few cats up off me. You know, Ernie was old. He was like the age of my brother. You know, like I said, my brother, he was off doing his own thing. He had no time for me. But I remember already, I he was really cool. He was a really cool dude. And then I got to know Eric later. Because I didn't know they was brothers. Because Eric went to school. junior high with me. I we I knew him, but we wasn't cool like that. Because he had always had an attitude. It, you know, Eric was snapped in a minute. So, I mean, you had to know how to talk to him. I guess that's how I know, oh, my job, you know, how to talk to you know, different employees and different managers relate to different people. Because at a young age, I had to learn how to, who you can talk to in certain ways and who you can't. And his brother Eric, you know, Eric was one of them guys. So you say one wrong word, he'll snap. So you have to know how to talk to him and different cats in different ways. You can't play with certain people. You know, like, you know, like Big Miles in our group. I call Big Miles in our cigar group. I call Big Miles, you know, Big Miles all enforcer. <laughs> Big Miles always serious. You joke around with you with Big Miles. You don't, certain days you don't say, you don't mess around Big Miles like that. <laughs> Big Miles reminds me of, of uh, Eric. Real cool dude. But, you you know, certain things, you know. All right. But, uh, yeah. I think about Ernie guy, boy. You know, I think about this one time. 
saw things I'm, I'm, I'm learning now. See this, see, this is what like when you go to sleep. When you go to sleep and you and you start dreaming about things. So like I say, your mind and your body don't always travel together. And I, saw, I was dreaming about, it was me, Willie Maiman, and Carrie Chubb. We rode our bicycles up, up in Michigan. We rode our bicycles up to the Dairy Queen up on Auburn Street. Now, I had been having these issues with these two boys, with this one boy. You know, I ain't gonna call his name. You know, I ain't gonna call his name. I've been having because I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna give him no sunshine. You know, even as an old man today now. Well, I ain't gonna get off into all that. But I've been having this problem with this old boy, and he was part of a big group of fellas. Now back then, we ain't call it gangs. You know, you just had just groups of guys just ran together. You know. The guys that I used to run with was on Shirley Street. You know, it was probably about nine of us. The cats he ran with was up at the boys club. It was probably about 20 or 30 of them. You know. But I remember one time I went up to the gas station. Me, Kerry Chum, Willie, maybe, and rode our bikes up there. And when we got up there, this boy, his friend, and another bigger black guy, who was sitting on the picnic table was up there. And when I rode up there, you know, what I didn't know at the time was the guy that I had been beefing with and the big black guy who was sitting on the bench, I didn't know at the time that they were brothers. But I remember hearing the bigger black guy telling the guy I had been beefing with and his buddy to get him. And they stood, one stood on one side, one stood on the other side. And they lit me up. They lit me up like a firecracker. They didn't knock me out. And I didn't go down. Because that's one thing you always was always taught. Don't go down. And if you go down, ball up into, protect your head, go down, ball up into a ball. But I didn't go down. But they, what we call banked. They banked me good. I don't know how many times they hit me, but they banked me good. But when they was hitting me and I was trying to defend myself, I think the only defend myself I was trying to do was keep my hands up to my head. And they would light me up. But I could still hear the big guy, the big black guy on the bench, telling Willie and Kenny Chung, y'all better not move. And they didn't move. They didn't move to help me. And the boys, they, they lit me up. But like I said, I didn't go down. I didn't fall. It seemed like I was just conscious through it all, just listening to hear it. You know, when they stopped, you know, I didn't, I didn't even fall off my bike. I still had my bike between my legs and my hands up while they would light me up. When they stop, I don't think I even cried. Now I'm thinking about this stuff. I took off home. Carrie and Willie went one way, and I went the other. Now, what I found out later was, <laughs> I can remember. Yep, I lived on. Uh, we lived on Jesse Street, and I can remember riding my bike home fast, and then. To get to our house, it was a big hill in front with some steps up a hill. You had to walk up these steps to get to the house on the hill. And I remember riding my bike up the hill, throwing that bike down, running to the house. And I ran to the basement. And I got a big mattress. And I threw the mattress against the wall. And I started fighting the mattress like it was a punching bag. This one will happen to me again. My brother Junior came home. He found out what happened. My brother Junior fight anybody. He was crazy. He'd fight anybody anywhere. <clears throat> he went off on. He went in, off on Kerry Chum and would have maybe for not helping me. And then he went up to the boys' club by himself, looking for him. Junior fight anybody. He'd fight anybody. He went looking for him, but he ain't find him. But what I found out was, 
the big old black guy that was there, that was the older brother who had just got out of prison. You see, he just came home from prison. That's why Willie and Carrie didn't move when he froze them. You see, that boy just got out of prison. And see, and when he told his little brother and his brother friend to jump me, that was that prison crap. See, that was crap that he learned in prison. You see, that was that prison stuff he learned. He teach his brother. Now, later on in life, I don't know about his brother, the one who had beef with his little brother. But I know the big black guy, he ended up going back to, back to prison. I don't know what happened to the one I had beef with. The other boy, his friend, he ended up going to prison. Because, see, he was one of them bad cats on the street anyway who thought he was bad and prison was made for him. So he ended up in prison. And I was thinking about that. The reason I think about it was that you have all these black boys going in and out of prison today that all this prison stuff is filtering out here on the street today, especially with the black youth. Hey there, Ken, folks. This is Uncle Maduro. Look, if y'all been enjoying these little pie talks here I be giving, then won't y'all consider buying old Uncle Maduro a cigar? You can go right there to my little wave page there and donate. Donate to Uncle Maduro just for the price of one cigar. And man, let me tell you, I keep on doing these little talks here that I be giving. So now that I'm done harassing y'all like a seagull at the beach, let's get back to the talk. All right, now.